Welcome to the Nonprofit Newsfeed, nonprofitnewsfeed.com, bringing you the best news from the best sector, news from a nonprofit perspective and what matters. This show brought to you by Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thanks for joining us. All right. Happy New Year. I know we took an extra week, but this is the nonprofit newsfeed slash whole whale podcast, a little crossover because we're talking about what we think nonprofit digital marketers need to be watching for in 2024. My name is George Weiner, just in case it's New Year, New You, new time to the podcast. And I have Nick Agile. Hey, everyone. As George said, I'm Nick Agile digital strategy manager here at Whole Whale. And we're super excited to take us into what's coming up for the new year, 2024, a year of lots of stuff, lots of stuff to go down. So we'll start us off at the top with a couple of predictions, buried treasure, events, other important things of note to start us off in the new year. First, we want to talk about ads and analytics. George, if you have been living under a rock you would still know that Google Analytics, Universal Analytics, was deprecated in July of 2023. But the big timeline right now is that that historic data will also be going away on July 1st of 2024. I think people are realizing this with annual reporting now due for 2023 and realizing that Universal Analytics, frankly, only captured half of last year. You're now on Google Analytics for GA4. But more importantly, if you want that historical information, July 1st, 2024, basically have about six months to store that in some way, shape or form. Now, there are different ways of doing this for free, for paid. There's folks that will host this separately. And frankly, it's like, how long is a piece of string? How much are you willing to pay? But there is a free way to do it. And we have linked to that in our show notes and obviously on nonprofitnewsfeed.com for how we constantly share relevant information. So that's that's like not a prediction. That's going to happen. Also going to happen is the Google Chrome cookie deprecation of 2024. I shall give you a quick summary, which is it's confusing. Cookies are a way for people to target you with ads and pieces like that. And Google Chrome is specifically removing some of these third-party cookies that have allowed previous tracking. So imagine that, you know, handbag, that pair of jeans, that jacket that chases you around the internet, like a lot of that retargeting is going to be incredibly hard to do. It may also impact how you potentially log into certain sites and that persistent ability to log in. So a lot of analytic tracking of maybe some of the demographic things, if you've been relying on that inside of analytics are also going to be going away. This is a win for privacy and a loss for people that like to use hyper-targeted third-party cookies. And there will also be unintended consequences of doing this, but that is not a prediction. That is happening. They are rolling it out steadily across the entire Chrome ecosystem. Yeah, George, and that's a great point. And that takes us into our next bullet point, and that is the increasing salience of consent mode on websites and mobile apps. Uh, consent mode lets you communicate your user's cookie or app identifier consent status to Google. Essentially, what is going to happen if that users opt out of cookies, ads, analytics, third-party tags, etc., the gaps are going to be filled in by various Google tracking infrastructure, GA4, etc. So look for more cookie list type consent opt-in, opt-out related developments from Google products, particularly on the ads and analytics tracking side. 
Yeah. And we're going to see more predictive features with regard to AI coming into GA4. There are going to be more upgrades and updates to custom metrics and model attribution see third-party cookies and the reliance on how we actually understand it, things inside of GA4, Google Analytics 4, for our source of truth for uh, analytics. I'll also like quietly note that Whole Whale has also been playing with Microsoft Clarity. And so this wasn't in here, but this is just a bonus for you. I think there's going to be a rise in usage of Microsoft Clarity, which is Microsoft's version of free analytics. Remember, nothing's free, though. <laughs> Comes with a cost, maybe your data, but it is their version of Google Analytics uh, that might be worth playing with for a second opinion on your web analytic. Absolutely. That's a great rundown, George. I'll take us into our next section, and this is on fundraising, of course, at top of everybody's mind coming off of end of year. We've seen some trepidation in the sector about donor data, small giving number of donors, that kind of thing. But George, we're making a prediction that crypto activity resurgence will boost crypto giving. Tell us more. We're, I think, on the cusp of another boom cycle for crypto on a macro level. You know, the you know the Fed's going to do what the Fed's going to do, but predicting rate cuts means there's going to be increased liquidity, increased risk, increased amounts of money potentially flowing into cryptocurrency. We've seen a huge increase just in the final quarters of last year, topping over a trillion for total market cap. That number moves very quickly, and this is probably going to be the year of a lot of ETFs. Going live just means a lot of new money being validated and sent into the crypto markets with that happening. There's also something called the Bitcoin happening. You don't need to know anything other than it is changing the amount of supply that is being pushed into the ecosystem, which has historically driven increases in price. Now, all that just means if more of these crypto folks... Crypto bros have more money. There's going to be increased amounts of, of donations being done. And the giving block has covered this in the past, and they are forecasting around $10 billion in giving. We may follow up on that. The takeaway for you is, look, if it's raining and you want to have a chance at catching some of it, you should have a bucket or a rain barrel. What is your crypto giving strategy moving into 2024? Uh, might be something to visit, revisit, and refresh. Absolutely, George. I think that that's a great rundown. Our next prediction, again, this is something that we're <laughs> less a prediction, more a statement, but email spammers will, quote, walk the plank with hefty penalties. <laughs> Google is clamping down on list buying, implementing strict rules around uh, identifying spam. This is especially salient moving into an election year in which we can see an increase in political advocacy and, and campaign-related spam emails. But essentially, George, your list need to be in tip-top shape or you risk getting deprecated entirely from Gmail. Kind of flew under the radar and I like brought it up. I was listening to some other very smart marketing podcasts in the for-profit sector. And ultimately, if you get a spam rating of 0.3 or higher on a send, you're done which is shocking. Like it is a seemingly one strike and you're out. And by out, it means like the domain that sent that like is forever put on the do not allow through list of Google and the 10 people using Yahoo emails. So 
I think, you know, this is something to pay attention to for the season of list buying around political engagement. And that traditional strategy carries just a unprecedented risk. Also, it's just not good to do for your brand. Yeah, George, I think that's a great idea. We actively advise our clients not to list buy. It's Correct. just not worth it. And Correct. It's it's never been less worth it, uh, to be honest. Don't do it. It's not going to be a value. It's so much better to nurture your users from aware to engaged and, and to, to up folks into engaging with your, your mission in a holistic and much more authentic way than merely spamming them with emails that you bought in some list exchange. And speaking of that trust and the importance of nonprofits in maintaining that trust, we look to reports like the Edelman Trust Survey showing that although nonprofits compared to other industries have increased trust, we've seen in the past couple of years a decrease in trust in nonprofit organizations. Of course, nonprofit is a big umbrella, but I think that nonprofits need to be aware that just like all other institutions in America, the political institutions, civic institutions, just like institutions like the media, businesses, etc., can still face headwinds when it comes to public trust in a time of kind of hyper hyper polarization and partisanship. So I think that that is something that nonprofits need to be paying particularly close attention to. Um, something I like to talk about is increasing donor confidence. How can you increase donor confidence? Advertise your rating on Charity Navigator, making your financials fully available, annual reports, demonstrating impact via data, really communicating the value of your programs and services, being authentic and honest with your audience, I think are going to be absolutely essential. We'll talk about this more in a year where there's going to be more noise than almost any, any advertising or otherwise fundraising year in recent memory. Yeah. In the words of like Dan and Chip Heath in, in their books, like they, they talk about the head and the heart, the elephant and the rider. You know, you're talking about some of the riders speaking to the head, like here are stats, here are things. Don't miss, though, don't miss in your communications, the testimonials, the messages from donors of like, hey, I've been giving to this organization for five years. Why? Get it in their voice. Get that in your messaging. Bring that forward. Head and the heart. And I think more than ever, I think that is a bit of a headwind, but also opportunity in your communications. So it is still fresh. You can still potentially ask some of your donors for some of those messages of like, why did you give? Give me that answer and give me the permission to use your face, your name in that explanation. And I think that can begin to, to help you move, move in the right direction into a year where trust may still be dropping. All right. This next one is a bit of a, you know, a bit more of a prediction. However, I think something very potent is about to happen with regard to SMS text message marketing. I think it's going to significantly increase and also potentially be increased for fundraising and noise. Why? MailChimp quietly rolled this out into their system in December. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And they are like pushing it out as an easy on-ramp to SMS messaging alongside, and this is important, alongside your email campaign messaging inside of MailChimp, one of the biggest providers for you know email CRM messaging. So look, I think it is a new opportunity to try. It is a platform, communication platform that is 
has been protected, the most protected, I will say, from spam. It seems like everyone actually cares about a bit more the the SMS spam level. Now, playing with it takes some time. I'm a huge fan of it because people open it at a much higher rate, and it is worth taking a look at how you bring this into your communication drumbeat strategy, especially because it is being made so easily inside of the MailChimp platform. Yeah, George, I think that that's a great, great note. But to your point, also something to be aware of is that political campaigns, I think, have been historically more adept at using SMS than the traditional nonprofit routes. And we're going to see a ton of that, particularly in Q3 and Q4. Are you telling me that Joe Biden isn't personally text messaging me about the urgency that there is for donating to the DNC right now? George, Joe Biden and I are biffles. We text every night. And um, yeah, fair, fair, fair. To be honest. (laughs) Jokes aside, as you are looking for case studies and best practices, and you are a nonprofit that is involved in creating long term relationships, run. Don't walk from the types of strategies employed, as much as we're joking, by politicians, the political cycle, and the urgency of you know, donate now, get out the vote, now go away. That is not what you want to say. So take your lessons from somewhere else. Yeah. And to that end, in 2020, we did a lot of reporting on this podcast about sketchy donation practices employed by both parties on WinRed, WinRed and ActBlue. Never automatically send people to a donate form where they're giving monthly and they don't know it, right? Be ethical. Foster authentic relationships. Don't trick people into donating you into donating to you. Don't fall for that trap. Yeah. Yeah. All right, George, it's come. Tell us about the rise of search generated experiences. S G E. If this is the first time you're hearing it, I'm sorry because it won't be the last. This is the new abstract branding of we're changing the entire way search is involved and moving it to an AI answers your question instead of a list of blue links on search result page works. This change is absolutely going to be happening this year across major search platforms, most importantly, Google. What this means, I can speculate, I can guess, I can certainly say that I believe if an AI answers some of the basic fundamental questions about your organic search result in a reliable, confident, easy way, I don't understand why someone may click to your site. So one of the things you may see is drops in organic traffic on certain easy answer, AI answer questions. And you're going to want to pay attention to that. You're going to want to understand your Google search console and then begin to create a new, frankly, chat first strategy for how you are responding to new types of content that deepen engagement, focus on long tail, and hopefully begin to work, uh, with these new search experiences search generated experience though is coming and it is something that we are actively working on with our clients to adapt and respond to yeah george i think that that's a really important primer i think relatedly a lot of people will be paying attention to how companies like google for example do this without cannibalizing their advertising revenue people looking to see how this works with, you know, how does this work with Google ads? How does this work with content for content creators? To that point, we're seeing a ton of 
momentum, both in the legal arena, lawsuits, as well as regulatory regimes around AI. The, the New York Times sued OpenAI in a, a quite significant case about copyright infringement, you know, scraping New York Times articles for, for its LLMs. How should nonprofits be thinking about engaging with content produced by LLMs and, 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 and ethically using tools to create content that, quite frankly, right now at least, are, are trained on copyrighted material? How are you, as a nonprofit, should you be approaching these tools in a way that uses them ethically? I think the time has come for an AI policy, one way or the other, that is one level public. What are you putting on your site to tell folks how you are or are not using this? And, you know, short, effective, but some of the things I'd recommend if you're doing it in one sentence is that you are always making sure that there is a human in the loop with regard to the content that you are creating and that you will publicly disclose when content is you know directly generated with aid of ai including not limited to multimedia ai images and as video gets better the, this year so i think it, it is that two part that you're going to do it ethically you're going to keep a human in the loop and also that you'll disclose it like check those boxes and go forward we have a whole longer ai policy generator on CauseWriter that will help you walk through that. And then internally, I think it is important to have a much more deliberate approach to this. There's no more, oh, this thing in the corner, let's be clear, your staff is already using it. I would bet dollars to donuts. I don't even know who bets dollars and donuts, but I would bet dollars to donuts that there is a not insignificant amount of your staff already using tools like ChatGPT. How do I know? Because 100 million monthly active users are just on one AI platform alone. And the distance, the distance between AI and every single online product you are using is absolutely being reduced. Don't believe me? Look around the next text input field that you are on, on any social platform, like, you know, from LinkedIn to let's just say even writing an email, these tiny little let AI rewrite this for you is popping up everywhere. It is time to pay attention and have an internal and external policy. And I think it is on the docket to do that this year as a, as a prediction. Um, Another one for you is is around regulation. You know, I think the industry is very much watching the recent New York Times copyright lawsuit to OpenAI to understand what it really means. The fact that essentially OpenAI and others gobbled up the entire internet and everything on it without permission to train these LLM models. The question is, should they pay for that? It's a big question. I want to wait to see it, but make no mistake that won't kill. <laughs> There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. There's like, oh, it's going to go away. Not going away. At the very sheer fact that, you know, you can take an open source model, download it locally and run it away from the internet. Like the advantages that these LLMs give folks that understand how to use them is too great. And again, you can't unscramble this egg. However, there may be uh, a, a step backward or sideways with regard to how folks like OpenAI are gobbling up information. That said, we at Whole Whale are, are very careful about telling our clients and also through CauseRider to be careful that all of these LLMs, large language models, will be very hungry for new text, new content. And if your team, for example, is taking these internal documents and suddenly blasting them onto what they think are like just these like innocent chats, make no mistake, you are feeding an LLM. 
with unpredictable results, especially if let's say that information is proprietary, if it is maybe inaccurate because it is a draft and you're going back and forth feeding and training the next version of an LLM with inaccurate information, I don't love your odds for good things happening if that happens. Yeah, George, I think that that's really important. And I think nonprofits should be active participants in shaping what ethical AI usage looks like in our societies, for our communities and constituents, just like social media in different, but not dramatically less important ways. AI could, could reshape the nature of work, how we use technology as a society and nonprofits can't be asleep at the wheel. George, we have just a couple minutes left, but I want to make sure we get to some big things. Of course, we've kind of alluded it to this year, but of course, this is going to be a chaotic year around the world. We're already seeing 2024 off to a chaotic start in global events. Of course, the continuing conflict of Israel and Gaza. But this will be a record-setting election year where approximately 60 to 70 countries, depending on how you count, will face national elections, including the United States, Taiwan, Ukraine, Mexico, India, Pakistan, the EU, potentially the UK, South Africa, Senegal, really important national elections. Billions of people will be going to the polls. So we are going to see a heightened engagement from particularly folks working along political advocacy, human rights, democracy. A lot of that will really be on the line this year across the world with decade-defining implications depending on how this year goes. So expect a lot of noise. And I think your nonprofit is going to need to be smart when it comes to cutting through that noise because there's certainly going to be a lot of it this year. To that end, George, you've also been really emphasizing the role of video-first communication, particularly short-form video content. Of course, YouTube kind of copied what TikTok started, etc. Now, every social media is pushing short-form video content, 60 second or less clips. We've been working hard on that. You can use AI to chop chop that up real efficiently. And we're also looking to competitor social media platforms as places like Twitter become less stable, more of a cesspool, et cetera, et cetera, looking to sites like Threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Discord as potentially becoming into increasing prominence, as well as the role for particularly folks in the political democracy rights arena, usages of tools like Telegram, WhatsApp, as sources of kind of more localized communities. I think there's an increasing emphasis among organizers, people focused on, on community engagement, et cetera, of using groups, I think Facebook groups, but you're seeing similar kind of dynamics playing out on Telegram and WhatsApp, et cetera. So I think that that is a trend from a more macro social media perspective. Yeah, I think it's important to note that I think you need to adopt a video first communication strategy some way, somehow, because every single major platform now pushes short form video content. And I think you're right. There's going to be a rise of a tier two social platform. I don't know what it is, but I know that it is probably going to happen and it's worth uh, exploring that. All right. Boy, we fit a lot in there. Thanks, Nick. I'm really looking forward to this year and adapting and adjusting our strategies as need as we move into it. And yeah, happy, happy 2024, buddy. Happy 2024. It's going to be busy, but it's going to be great. Oh, wait a minute. I feel like I owe folks a, a quick joke. Do you got get a second? Because I do have a question for you. Sorry, sure, George. Hit me with it. Sure. Sorry. I have to. I have to. All right. According to the CDC Foundation, which is faster, hot or cold? <sighs> Ooh, I don't know. 
uh, hot, you know, colds are easy to catch. This message, <laughs> okay. definitely not medical okay. advice, didn't come the CDC Foundation, but yeah, colds are easy Yikes. to catch, so hot, obviously much faster. All right, Nick, I'll see you out there. See you, George. This has been the Nonprofit News Feed Summary of the Week. Thanks for joining us. As always, you can find resources at nonprofitnewsfeed.com. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly email summaries of the best news from the best sector.